Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Focal Collective podcast, where we discuss film photography and showcase the film photographers in our community. I'm Mike Lindell, a co-founder of Focal Collective, and I'm joined by our co-hosts, Drew Folgman and Jeremy Lachance. Hi, everyone. I'm Drew Folgman. I'm a fellow co-founder of Focal Collective. Um, so, Jeremy, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about um, your project that you've been uh, organizing? Yeah, so my name is Jeremy. Yeah, I'm a surf photographer. Yeah, I, I've been like uh, doing some photography for like not too long ago, but I, when I was young, I was doing a bit of analog photography and trying to develop my film. And it got back recently when I was like doing some cycling in Africa a bit. But I got a, a Nikonos camera at some point and I started doing lots of surf photography because I used to live in uh, Tofino. So I got in contact with lots of, uh, of members of like the Nikonos community, like the Nikonos project, like that's a hashtag, a whole hashtag on Instagram. And uh, yeah, so I started uh, doing a lot of that kind of photography. Like I have some friend that does digital, but like myself, it's mostly analog. And uh, yeah, at some point, um, not too long ago, like two weeks, well, with all the COVID-19 stuff, uh, one of my surf exhibition got canceled and I decided like to make my own surf exhibition with other surf photographers that I admire uh, online, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So how, how long have you had the, uh, the, the Nikonos camera and why do you love it so much yeah. compared to maybe other underwater cameras? Yeah, well, uh, actually, uh, this one that I have, I got it since this summer because uh, I kept breaking mine. So I had a Nikonos 4, which is like a more electronic version of uh, the camera I have right now. And uh, I broke two in like a matter of two months. And then I bought a Nikonos 3, which is like a very manual camera. And I haven't broke it since a while. Not too long ago, I bought um, uh, like a case for my Canon F1. And uh, well, it's just not as um, like you can't just like walk, uh, sorry, uh, swim as easily as other uh, like uh, Nikonos basically. So Nikonos is so small, it's easy like to dive in the water without like knocking it on your head and stuff like that. So it's a very nice camera and because it's fully manual and there's not a lot of option on it, like I, I can like just think about composition and like other kind of stuff and just like swim into the action instead of just thinking about like the limit, like the limitation of a big housing. Yeah. So, so what was um, breaking on the, the Nikonos 4 that you had? Uh, well, I, I like the first one. I have no idea what break it just stopped working. So I, I think it might be um, some kind of water leak or something. And then the next one, uh, same thing, stopped working. And because it's electronic, it's an electronic shutter. Perhaps it's just like it stopped working because of water damage. But the one I have, I use the same lens on it, and like it, it doesn't stop working because it's all mechanical. Hmm. I was gonna say like I would be personally disappointed if you broke it anywhere other than the water yeah exactly just because like it so for anybody that's not familiar with the nikonos camera it was i believe it was nikon's first fully waterproof film slr and it became kind of the industry leading standard yeah well it's more of a uh, range finder than a slr actually Ah. Yeah, and it's not even tell a range finder. Well, it's a finder because there's no like range inside. There's no patch to tell you like how far it is. So what you, when you, you focus with, except like the latest Nikonos model, like the the most like the one to five basically. When you focus with this, you need to look at the lens and then you like turn out some stuff and like you look at okay, the subject is about like five meters away. I'll set it at five meters and then like you put your camera and you have a finder like basically just like to tell you what's the frame like perhaps <laughs> yeah those are i have a couple of cameras like that um and it's definitely yeah. 
a unique way of shooting when you're, you're you know using the traditional like zone focusing yeah exactly yeah it's all zone focusing. yeah, yeah. um but yeah i mean i was just curious because i've been looking into those myself because i i live down here in miami so yeah. um you know i've been looking to take some more you know photos around the keys and things underwater so i currently have a, a minolta weathermatic do you have you ever yeah. seen those yeah that's cool <laughs> the, the cheap the cheap ones yeah but, um i i like that one because it has two lenses on it basically um so you get like a wide i can't remember exactly i think it's like a 35 and a 50 mm-hmm. um but definitely looking to get something a little bit more solid than you know like the nikonos um, yeah. ones i feel like you're you're spot on those are definitely like the industry standard for analog yeah for sure, know, for sure water photography yeah um so, so what's your background generally? Um, how did you, you know, get into surf photography, particularly, you know, versus just shooting other subjects? Uh, yeah. Uh, so before actually getting into surf photography, I got into surf and I used to live in Tofino and that's like my money making part of the year. So like most of the time I'd go to Tofino, make some money in the summer, surf all summer. So it's like quite enjoyable. And uh, yeah, then I would travel normally. Right now I'm in school in photography. Uh, that like Tofino money is paying all my school basically. So yeah, uh, so I got into Tofino before like surf photography. And then at some point I was like, I had like my TLB Canon and I was shooting some stuff like while cycling. And I got really into like the technicality of uh, analog photography and how like amazing it is, right? You just like, like I was there two months like in a cycling and then like uh, at the end i get to see the result and like just the magical feeling of your few first roll it's always like something very very impressive so yeah i got in love with analog photography and i started looking because i was planning to go to to tofino anyway so i started looking at um surf camera what did people in the 70s use and then i found that it was nikonos basically like the the big seller so yeah that's how i got kind of into surf photography i was not like uh, in contact with surf photographer or whatever i just wanted like something to go have fun in the water with but i got like very hooked to it and like yeah. <laughs> big aspect of it yeah i feel like that's kind of that's kind of similar to how it happened to me. I mean, I just, you know, started taking some photos for fun, you know, thought I'd buy a camera and then all of a sudden you're addicted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my, my personal first roll of film that I ever shot, I feel like every time I shoot film, I try to like make images that are more engaging or better and I just always fall short. Yeah. Um, I got super lucky because while I was studying abroad, um, when I was still in college, I actually, my first roll of film was shot in New Zealand in the South Island. So like I had all these amazing, um, like scenic landscape changes yeah. across like, like a week long road trip. And ever since I've done that, it's like every roll of film that I've popped through, I just, I have yet to feel like I've topped that level of like variety and quality yeah. so there's always something so special about that first roll of film that you shoot yeah for sure and like there's something as well because like you you're waiting so long you're longing for these picture and then like they arrive and you're like wow and their memories a lot they're like a way to to remember these picture in a way yeah no definitely so um getting back to you know your surf exhibit um and yep. organizing this so so where can people find this exhibit um and, you know yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, so, well, first there's, like, uh, an Instagram page. There's not too much happening there. It's just, like, a bit to, like, post some stuff that uh, some of the photographers do. It's quite new. Uh, it's, like, Closer to the Sea on Instagram. Uh, the exhibit, it's found uh, at closertothesea.cargo.site. Uh, yeah, and over there, like, right now, it's just, like, a normal page. But soon, uh, for three days, it's going to be, like, an exhibition where you'll find some pictures uh, of, um, like, each of the photographer about five to eight picture uh, you can buy prints there and then yeah that's like you get the thesis like the statement of each photographer like why do they do that kind of photography as well as di their bio and like it, it's a good way i think to meet a lot of photographer that uh, have a lot of talent yeah, no, definitely. It, I think it's such a cool exhibit. Why is it only going three days? Uh, we wanted to make it exclusive as well. We don't want it like to to make a month exhibit or whatever. We want it like uh, a big full person for like a small amount of time, and like it's it's not gonna be like uh, something that will last. It's only like few days. We will bring you closer to the sea for a few days, and then like uh, you're going home like an inland surfer or something. And then cold turkey, you're, you're cut off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And if anyone um, didn't catch that, there's also going to be a link um, through the article on the Focal Collective website. Yeah. And we can also include that in the show notes um, as linked in this podcast too. Yeah. So we'll, we'll include everybody's info so people can click or click around and find it. Yeah, Sweet. Amazing. So um, how did you meet the other photographers again? I know you've mentioned maybe just through surfing or yeah. through Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of Instagram stuff, but uh, a lot of them like are Quebecois. Uh, not a lot of them, but like few of them are Quebecois. They're friend I've met in Tofino. Some I've shot a lot with over the summers. Uh, so like uh, Fred Leblanc, Sam Billington, uh, Mathieu Arve, they're all like Tofino people. Uh, and then there's other people like Joseph. Uh, he sold me my Nikonis, which is quite funny, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a guy from California, super talented, a lot into analog stuff. Like it's wonderful what he does, and he he has like tons of camera. Like uh, I message him like when I have a question about underwater analog photography, I just message this guy because he knows a lot about this. Uh, but there's a lot of um, Nikonis project people like that I would find like through the hashtag or like just it's such a small community the Nikonos project because it's like a um yeah it's a small community of people like that use old camera to shoot film uh, in the water basically and like there's a lot of people there that are very friendly and i get to know them through like following them after they post something related to surfing basically and yeah uh that's pretty much uh, instagram and like surf photography on instagram i would say uh, other than friends I think it's so cool that you can find these little sub communities just by like looking at the hashtag of a specific yeah. film camera. Yeah. Like it's something that like was obviously I like, I, I know how the concept works, but I never really put it together that like specifically the Nikonos camera, which is an underwater camera. You'd find obviously all these underwater photographers that yeah. only shoot film. And that is such a small niche. There's such a small amount of people that do that. Yeah, but and it's very cool that you you literally found them all just like on a hashtag on Instagram, you know. Yeah, so, <laughs> but this is more like a family, like I feel because like I could get this for any other type of camera, the Pentax Seven, but there's so many people shooting this camera. The Nikonos, there's something like more intense about it because you need to actually go in the water. Like there's no like long focal lens, and people use it will actually like work for it. I feel in a way. So uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of 
passionate people in that community and it's not a lot of people that would like shoot it so it's like a small community and doesn't grow like bigger like that much it's like quite small and stay small and people are nice basically yeah that's awesome yeah i mean i just never i never would have you know realized that that community was so small and so tight-knit together yeah yeah totally. um so so i was reading too um you know on, on the article um that you know, it's, you said a lot of it was shot on expired film. Was there any reason for that, or it just happened that everyone kind of used expired film? <laughs> yeah, well, it depends which photographer. Like, but um, yeah, Joseph and Vania they love expired film, and especially like uh, Joseph, he shot a lot on um, uh, slide film. Uh, and it, I think it's very uh, difficult to shoot on slide film plus like when they are expired because you don't know really where the ISO stands and stuff but you can see in this picture like the color gets different and then like reality and what it should be on a slide film so like it's very unique in a way and uh, Vanya does the same uh, as well not only like on a slide film but uh, tons of other expired film and all her exhibition is shot on um expired film so it's very interesting the color are surrealistic in a way and i think uh, it's very interesting I, I can't say why they chose each of them uh to shoot this but um yeah it's very interesting visually yeah no definitely i think you know the the color shifts you get with expired film i mean i i applaud them for shooting expired you know slide film i mean slide film is very difficult to expose properly yeah, as totally. it is let alone when you're guessing when it's expired <laughs> yeah exactly and like with an icon that's where you, there's no meters and everything like it's yeah. it's much harder even so are you just generally using like the sunny 16 rules you know yeah yeah vaguely? Yeah, well, vaguely, like when, before going in the water, I would like take a measure with my light meter, then I would go in the water. And then like when the sun start uh, setting, I would uh, just like each 15 minutes, I would like drop one stop. Okay. Yeah, something like that. So it's a little bit of guesswork, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of film, though, you know, outside of slide film, if you're shooting like a negative film, you do have a, a, quite a bit of latitude to yeah, totally. um, play with. But yeah uh, that's awesome yeah slightly off topic yeah do you notice like a, a discernible difference between the east coast um like quebecois versus the west coast vancouver island like surf culture oh yeah or tell me about that well for sure well i mean at the same time that's funny because like the surf culture of quebec i feel is like lands around tofino in a way well not that like it's uh, uh people go there to surf but like a lot of people that start surfing started in tofino in canada basically so like in quebec like if i want to go surf the closest thing i could think of is maine basically and it's like five hours away and it's united states so like right now i would be in maine but uh yeah because the border is closed i, I can't but uh yeah uh yeah, really, really crazy times we're living in. <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah they're like they're pretty much related in a way I, I wouldn't say like it's much different because we don't have a big surf culture in quebec and if we do it's mostly in montreal and it's river surfing so there's nothing well not there's nothing but there's not much to uh to talk about there but we do have like some very interesting magazine like we surf which like would do a uh, some uh, like uh, article about river surfing and like trips but it's not like something that is culturally intense in quebec i would say so um how has is is that like the main impact that corona has had on you is just the border being closed so you can't go surfing maine right now or how else has it been impacting you 
yeah, no, it's not the only impact for sure. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of street photography as well. And right now, well, I can't because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, streets are empty. Like this morning I went out on the street and like there, there was nothing to photograph really that I like about, like, I like going very in the face of the people in street photography and like here, well, you can't because there's two meters <laughs> law and everything. That's a big impact yeah. in my photography, I would say. Uh, yeah, and I can't go uh, to, uh, to Maine as well. And, uh, well, I was planning to go to Tofino and right now I'm trying to find a way out to get there because it's pretty much impossible because even the border between the province are hard to cross and stuff. So that's a pretty much big impact on photography uh, for me. What about you guys? Is it like a big problem over there in LA? Yeah. I mean, um, well down here in Miami, um, all the beaches, all the parks are closed. The roads are desolate. Um, so I was, I was actually hoping to go out this weekend and maybe, you know, like do a little project of, you know, taking pictures of the grocery store lines and things like that of the desolation and the, you know, the police tape and all of that, mm. um, the heightened security, maybe just documenting that. Yeah. Um, I think it would be very interesting. I mean, it's been crazy time for sure. I mean, not being able to, you know, resume normal life to a way. How's it impacted yeah. you, Mike? Over in LA, it's like everything is closed down, obviously. Restaurants are closed, movie theaters, everything. The grocery stores, the biggest difference I've seen is like, I try to walk into a grocery store and there's a line that wraps around the corner at the like Trader Joe's that I usually go to. Everybody's standing diligently six feet apart from each other. Everybody has masks and gloves on. Everybody's really, really freaked out yeah. for a good reason. Yeah. Very valid to be freaked out. Yeah. But it's like I show up to like a Trader Joe's 30 minutes before they open and I still have to wait in line for an hour and a half. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, like this is not ideally not something that we'd want to be going through right now. But what I've also noticed is like L.A. is a very condensed or densely populated, um, like sprawling kind of suburban urban area. So all the roadways are always pretty congested. But now with Corona, like you actually see like 5 p.m. on a Thursday, if I'm driving across town, it takes me a normal city amount of time to yeah. get there rather than like an L.A. city amount of time to get there. So instead of like an hour and a half drive, it's still like a 30 minute drive. Yeah. There's still people on the roads. I don't know where they're going or what they're doing. You know, it's like it's crazy, like going nowhere. basically. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, all, all the gigs are canceled. So a lot yeah, of the sure. freelancer community out here, they're, they're also uh yeah. It's tough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, old. it's tough. Out there. So I just had a random question. So you said that a lot of the other slide, um, you know, the surf photographers like slide film. Um, what's your favorite film stock to shoot? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, depends a lot, but I would say, okay, like funny enough, uh, in surf photography, I've been shooting a lot of color plus. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, like it, it's a quite a good film for surf photography because the golden aspect of it will help like bring the water to a certain color that I really like. And as well, it's a film that is not too hard to develop because I develop mostly everything myself, especially when I do surf photography because in Tofino, the closest uh, lab is like four hours away. So yeah, I would develop myself there. And color plus, I would say like it's easy to develop in a way. Uh, I, I don't know why or whatever, but I have like way more best result with Colorpress than Portra when I tried to uh, to to develop it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, in surf photography, it's mostly uh, Color Plus. 
So color plus is a lot cheaper than portrait too, right? Correct. Yeah, that's also nice. Yeah, because yeah. I've been I've been exploring this the cheaper options. I feel like, you know, portrait is getting as it's become you know the film revival is happening. I feel like portrait four hundred is where everyone's going, so it's getting more expensive and harder yeah. to find. Yeah. So I've been <laughs> exploring color plus, ultra max, you know those. Yeah. Um, other film types definitely like i have bricks of color plus basically like i <laughs> must have like 30 roll but right now like in montreal there's nothing to shoot with this i would say i shoot a lot of black and white uh role films basically mostly mm -hmm. mostly yeah i haven't tried those out yet i've only i'm i've mainly stuck to you know t max tri x hp5 yeah, yeah. Um, those yeah. Um, how do you how do you like those rolly black and whites oh they're, they're gorgeous like a lot of contrast and i, I really love contrast uh, in black and white uh there are a lot of latitude as well and like the rolly 80 i can't see any grain in it and i love it i shoot it mostly with my medium from a camera and like it's wonderful like uh, the, the 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 quality of it what kind of medium format camera you have? Uh, I've had like tons. I've been trying to find like the holy grail of, uh, <laughs> of medium format camera. Like each of us, I own a Pentax. I, I used to own a Pentax 6.7. I just sold a Mamiya Press, but the only medium format that I'm keeping right now, it's a Yashica D, but like the most pristine lens I've seen uh, right now. Like it's in gorgeous condition, never been used. So like I'm taking this uh, with me uh, all the time for medium format. It's awesome. What's the what's the ratio on that, um, the Yashica? Uh, it's a eighteen millimeter lens. Okay. Yeah. That's the that's a, a square format though. Yeah, right? it is a square format. It's basically basically a copy of a Rolleiflex, and because uh, like it's an older model as well, I can do mm -hmm. easily double exposure because I need like to crank and then to shoot. So I really like that actually. Yeah, those are really fun. I've been looking to. You know, at those, at the Yashica, like the 124. Um, yeah. And the, um, or or maybe I'll just get a Rolly Flex if, you know, I feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel like a Rolly Flex is like a Leica. It's kind of something yeah. you have to collect at some point in your life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Yeah. I just got my first Leica, actually. No, I don't want to brag about it or whatever, you know. <laughs> I've been thinking about, like, masking the, the Leica name for street photography, like lots of street photographers does, but, uh, do, but uh, yeah. I'm pretty happy with uh, the quality of the lens on it. Yeah, which one did you get? Uh, I got the cheap one, the CL, but uh, I, I'm planning to get some good lens on it instead of uh, just, like, getting a expensive body and buying, like, some cheap lens, basically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have um, I sh I bought um, the Contax G1. Uh, do you are you familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I bought that one just it. for the lens. Yeah, I bought that just for the lens. I yeah. feel like some of the some of them you have to you know focus really just on the lens quality because I think I think with film you know f the film body film is film you know exactly so it really comes down to. Um, the lens quality and I think uh, with, you know especially when you're buying film cameras that's the most important aspect to consider yeah, exactly. 
because it, if not, you know, you end up with like a Holga, those toy camera, you know, like yeah. weird fringing and things. I mean, those can be cool in artistic ways, but. <laughs> yeah, I have tons of broken camera like this and boxes at my mom's place, basically. Uh, but yeah, I don't use them. Like, I, I have lots of like Ukrainian Russian style camera, like a uh, Lomo and a uh, Kiev kind of camera. But yeah, I don't use them. They're full of light <laughs> and they're bad. But like, it's fun yeah. sometimes to put a roll in it and try it out. Hey, so do, do you try to repair them if they're broken yeah. or do you collect? Got it. So tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I fail most of the time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I've been repairing. The delicate machine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I've been repairing some cameras, uh, but mostly like when I try to repair a camera, if it's an easy uh, repair, I'm able to do it. But otherwise, like uh, it's it's very hard, I think, to repair analog camera. And I don't necessarily like here in Montreal, I have all the things I need to repair them. So like most of the time, that's why they're all on my mom's place. She has like all small uh, screwdriver and stuff but still it's so hard like yeah th there's so many out there but at some point i feel like they, they're getting like uh on a shortage in some kind of camera because like it's uh uh yeah they break and nobody can repair it that's yeah i mean i feel like with film cameras it's always you know that's the struggle is because they're not being manufactured and you know yeah. on a mass basis there's very few that are still yeah. i think like leica might be the only one still making film cameras now I've, yeah well there's a few like this but like leica are strong as well so they last so long yeah no, but i'm thinking yeah. like uh, about the rise of the price of the t2 and stuff like that well these camera like breaks and they can't be repaired you know yeah you said you had an f1 too i i bought one yeah as well because i feel like the f1 is almost you know it's got that almost like a sturdiness feeling to it you know yeah, totally <laughs> when, I, when i picked it up i felt that you feel that weight compared to like an 81 which is awesome yeah totally and it's all uh, manual i mean like uh, all mechanical inside so when i bought it i was like okay see if I, if I get stuck somewhere with no battery well i'm still able to use my camera so yeah F1 yeah and i like it we actually recorded um, an episode on our Focal Collective YouTube of me using a Nikon F100, and my batteries just ran out while we were mm. in the middle of shooting a roll. Yeah, um, but what I like about my Nikon F100 is it just takes like double A bat or triple A batteries. Oh yeah, you know, like it's, I think I think it is double A, <laughs> but it's so easy just to, like pop into a hardware store or something, yeah, grocery totally, store, totally. grab batteries, yeah. get rolling. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hey, I, I think this was, uh, it was really good to talk about uh, the, the exhibition on surf photography, Jeremy. Yeah. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us on this call and really, really cool work. And we want to get you on at some point in the future too. I, I know you have a lot of other cool projects cooking up back there. Yeah, totally. I'm very happy to, to be part of uh, the podcast and like to be able to be in link with you guys at Focal Collective. And I hope I'll see you there uh, at the surf exhibition. Uh, you can bring your own wine and uh, we'll be there waiting for you. Oh, so it's like a video feed. No, no, it's not. It's not a video feed. Uh, <laughs> that, would cool. that would have been cool. Exactly. Oh, Sadly, it's not. Next time, you guys gotta gotta set up a little Skype, and we'll uh, yeah, <laughs> dial exactly. us in. <laughs> That's good. Very cool. Well, hey, hey, take take care, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you very much.